0: everyone, Seirus from Germany, I'm Judelke Skorboros, and welcome to this episode of Running and Fabulous, a podcast generated to ignite and empower new and amateur runners to hit the road and push themselves to the next level. Today, Today, I actually want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and giving me your time. Time is the most precious thing you can give somebody, and I feel honored if you're listening to this podcast right now. Thank you so much for your time. And I want to give a shout out to two of my listeners that actually came out with a question because they are listening. Ayesh and Nadine actually asked me, How did I start running it was if I was never really into it before like I'm a fanatic now and that's just like that's just hands down that's just the way it is babe but you know they actually I it in some of my episodes that running transforming how much I'm, I'm into it and they're curious how did I start running and how I start running is actually a two-part story the first one got me running and actually committed to running and the second part turned me into a runner what I am today you see in the last 10 years, I've had two moments where I knew I had to do something, uh, something to change. You know, I, I could not continue the path I was following. I knew I had to do something. The first time I was actually turning into somebody I didn't recognize, um, I noticed that there was very little left of the bubbly, uppity overly optimistic and energetic judelki I once knew, yeah? I was becoming quiet, withdrawn, bitter, and sometimes even angry inside. I was all bottled up, you know? (sighs) I looked at pictures of myself at that time from the recent years, and I was hardly smiling. And, you know, that was like, I know that we all have moments, you know, we all have moments, but it just felt like it was a long long moment, you know, and when I when I woke up from that, that transformation into uh, that was drying me off from the inside out was not happening over overnight, you know, it happened slowly during a long period of four years. You see, I moved to Germany 10 years ago. But those first four years were atrocious for me, um, for several reasons. You see, prior to that, I grew up in New York City um, and that's where I lived, right? and uh, my life was busy. It was just, you know, I was used to the hustle, the bustle, um, having a life, a career, uh, being surrounded by people all the time. I had my friends, my family near. Um, I felt empowered, you know, like <laughs> I'm the master of my own life. And it was like I was plugged to an energy source that that never ran out. And and, and this energy source made my light shine bright and high, like a lighthouse um, in the middle of the night. I was I was just you know I was empowered I was I was my own woman and I felt really good so then I moved to Germany and suddenly I when I was once the driver of my life I became a silent passenger in the shadow of a man because I could not speak the language I had no idea where I was going what was going on around me you know, I could not engage in conversation. And by now you probably know how much I talk, right? (laughs) It was just like torture for me. And not to mention, I was always tired because my daughter was only one year old and she was still waking up at night. I mean, it wasn't like all, it wasn't every night and she was a pretty good uh, sleeping kid she used to sleep very late but she was still waking up in the middle of the night or I was going to bed late as well and then whatnot you know you know the grind if you have small kids you know how the grind goes right (laughs) so little by little that bright light that I brought from New York to Germany started dimming out okay And there were several things that were just sucking the energy out of me. The first thing was that although I made a conscious decision to leave my life behind in New York and to stay at home with my daughter, and it was very important for me and I don't regret it at all, I made a conscious decision to move to Germany to raise her, right? Um, I, I actually did not know that this new journey was going to be so isolating okay and if you're a stay-at-home parent you know what I'm talking about because I talk to a lot of moms these days and we all have the same complaint being a stay-at-home parent is an isolating job me ladies or me daddies the ones that are staying home you know um but I'm, you know, I can't complain. You know, that's that's really what I wanted, and I am forever, forever, ever, ever thankful for the opportunity to be able to stay at home with my kid. Because some parents want that and they can't have it. Okay, but you have to be aware of the isolation of this job, and you need to do something to counteract the effects of feeling lonely as you stay as I stay a stay-at-home parent. For me. <laughs> Um, that was extra hard because I did not speak the language like I decided to move countries as well I, I was very adventurous before I traveled a lot I loved new cultures and everything but it's very different when you go on vacation somewhere than when you actually live and you have to settle right so I didn't really speak the I didn't really speak the language no I didn't speak German when I got here right so somehow that was very intimidating for me and um Instead of being the social butterfly that I was always uh, before, I ended up building up a little cage, locking it up from the inside and throwing away the key. So it was just like, it made matters worse for me. So the other thing that was um, killing me a little bit was the weather, you know? I had no idea this country could be so gray for so many days at least this part of the country I mean Bavaria so the southern part I didn't realize it could be so gray for so many days one after the other like weeks on end because I did come here to visit but it was like summertime it's like happy green and sun and I like the sun shines until nine o'clock at night and I'm like yeah baby I like this let the sun shine Um, and then I moved here in the fall of 2008 so that was the beginning of doomsday (laughs) <laughs> okay because the fall starts to get really gray and you know, the fleas have already they're falling I mean they're beautiful but when they fall off and then the gray skies like nothing changes day in and day out and it's just like this dry really long boring days and um, I did not realize at the time how important the sun is for, um, for your mood and everything else. So I, you know, I'm sleep deprived and now the weather really sucks and I had no idea like what to, what to do with myself uh, just at home, not speaking the language and everything. So now you're probably thinking if I was so unhappy <laughs> in this country, why didn't I just go back home, you know? I could have just packed my bags and go back to New York and just call it call it a day. Well, you probably know what happened in the fall of 2008, right? Like the market crashed and there was worldwide panic. And um, we were heavily affected by that. And he was having trouble growing roots in his own country after being out for 10 years, and um, he could not find a job. So although we had a place to live because he owned the apartment where we lived, um, and the food is actually relatively cheap in comparison to living in New York, I mean, that made living in Germany a lot more affordable. So, you know, (laughs) now that we're like both unemployed, and uh, markets crashing and everything, I started to see our financial future very, very dark, okay? And this whole thing was giving us both a lot of anxiety attacks, okay? Now, um, of course, uh, (laughs) situations uh, around us were not great, And we're both not in a great place. So, of course, we were having then marital problems, you know. We were having arguments. And um, how many of you like bread and butter? You know how good bread and butter tastes, right? Yeah, it goes so well together. You know, when you go to a restaurant, they put bread and butter there. It's like gone in a minute. It's just fabulous, right? Well, we were once like bread and butter, you know, he and I. And um, little by little over this four-year period we started to turn into oil and water okay so arguments were were like picking up and getting worse and bitterness were just like building up and this situation drove me crazy because for me it was extremely important to provide a stable and loving environment for my kids Okay, so for me, once you have kids, you seal the deal. Okay, whatever problems you have, whatever is broken, you got to fix it. Yeah, you get the hammer, you get the nails, and you bang, 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 bang. You got to fix it. You like, you need crazy glue, then go get crazy glue and fix whatever it is. It needs to be fixed because we have kids. Okay, and um, we need to create a happy and stable home for the kids, whatever it takes. And that, my friends, was my. ideal of what a family should be like, happy, stable, and loving. And that ideal, my friends, was falling apart. Okay. So he was living his version of hell, which was being the responsible father that brought his family abroad and um, not finding a job and all of that stuff. Like he was living his version of hell. And I was living my version of hell, staying at home and unable to take the driver's seat of my own fate, okay? Now, those two versions of hell kept clashing, yeah? So no wonder there were arguments and a bunch of stuff. I mean, in hindsight, you can still rewrite the past, right? And that's exactly what happened. Our versions of hell crashed, yeah? And a lot of the times, instead of me being the vociferous person that I am, okay, I stayed quiet to avoid confrontations in front of the kids. And I just swallowed up whatever it is I had to say. So of course I blame Germany for this. I mean, look at that. I was like happy-go-lucky, going along with my life in New York. And suddenly I'm in Germany and I have all these problems. So it must be Germany's fault, right? (laughs) So one fine evening after dinner, he said to me, I think that your problem is that you were once a career woman and now you're staying at home with the kids all the time. I was like, ta-da! I'm like, that is the smartest thing you have said to me in almost 10 years that we're together at that point. I'm like, why didn't you say something like that before? You know, sometimes you just kind of need to hear somebody say something that makes a lot of sense and then it clicks, right? So I got to give this man some massive brownie points for that because he had a point, okay? Staying at home all the time and not having personal goals to look forward to, not seeing some growth or change in my life was definitely a problem. And, you know, I was wired around projects and deadlines and goals to achieve, etc. And my days now in Germany were looking the same every day with no personal achievements, no big, uh, you know, career ladder to look forward to and, you know, none of that. Yeah. So... At the time, I was also sleep deprived because my son was one and a half years old and he was a very early riser. Like he was the opposite of my daughter. And he was up at five o'clock in the morning like, where's the party? I want to free my soul. And I was just like, oh my God, with a pillow over my head. I'm like, no, go away, you little creature. (laughs) <laughs> whose jeans are you carrying, my son? You know, why are you up so early? <laughs> well, the whole house still sleeping. <laughs> so I actually thought, you know, instead of fighting to try to get the little one after feeding him and putting the diapers on to try to get him back to sleep for an hour or two, instead of doing that, maybe I should get up and go running, okay? Now, prior to that, I had joined a gym, I even tried running a few times with no success, you know, the prior year, um, and um, I even tried Zumba, I, I remember, you know, like I tried, I tried to do something, but I fell back to my old pattern, because we do all have a pattern, right? And um, my pattern was always to find an excuse to not keep up with a workout routine. I always deprioritize that, yeah? Because, you know, I mean, we're great at making excuses. So the moment we need to step out of our comfort zone, um, it's like suddenly it's it's, 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 it's too cold, too hot, too beautiful, too ugly, too tired, too full, too hungry. Like, you name it. There is always a too whatever thing uh, excuse So that you do not get out of your comfort zone and go work out and bring it up a notch, right? Like we're the masters of excuses because we are actually pleasure seekers, creatures of habits. And that's a lethal combination. Okay. And I was no different. (laughs) So. I had other issues, right? I had issues with running that early in the morning because if you listen to one of my previous episodes, I said um, I told you that I was living in New York City during one of the most publicized rape and homicide incidents uh, of a female jogger there was a female jogger in Central Park 1989 and it was like mo- it was it was all over the place you could not avoid this news, right? and um, I double checked the dates yeah, it was 1989 and at that time I was 18 years old and um, in fact if you google this you will find it you'll find the incident Um, this actual this incident created a fear in me of uh, being in dark places in solitary dark areas okay even when I lived in New York and I lived near Central Park I would never ever go near Central Park near trees near nothing um, when it was dark you know, in fact I never even took the subway when it was dark. Okay? It was taxi. And I needed to be above ground where people were. So but once I talked to him, I talked to him about this. I'm like, well you have this fear. Like when do I run? I mean if I have well I have this fear um of of getting out and like is this town safe? You know? <laughs> this town safe. It's like there's nothing going on here. I think the police people are completely bored. But it's like, I'm like, is this town safe? Um And he was like, you know, he never really understood, like, what was that fear that I had? And so basically he told me, you look, this place is safe. Just, you know, make sure you stay in the light so you don't trip and break your teeth, you know? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get out there and give it a try. So the next day was December 22nd, 2012. And I went for a run and I... And I remember, I remember this date very well because there was a hype around, going around that the world was coming to an end on December 21st, 2012 because the Mayan calendar was finishing and all of that. And I remember I, I, I made a, a, a joke on Facebook and I actually looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up I, because I know I posted something on that day and I say, ah, there is nothing like a 5K run at the crack of dawn in the rain to celebrate that the world did not end not in my time zone not in yours because for the most part I was talking to people in the states at that time anyways so basically that day that day really I remember it vividly I mean there was something empowering about that particular run okay there was something amazing about that particular run that made me want to run again and again Okay, And maybe it was because I never dared to step out of my place that early in the morning when it was so solitary outside. Or maybe because I hated the gray rainy winters and I dared run all over it. Or maybe it was because I had run the farthest and the longest I could ever imagine. I mean, I did a 5K in like 45 to 50 minutes. It was a walk run okay because i was not a runner and uh and i did measure it on google maps later because i also didn't have a tracker but i was so empowered by that run you know but perhaps it was it was that when I entered the apartment, like, I, I had the warmth of the apartment hit my my cold face, you know. I was still wet from the rain and it, the cold was stuck to my cheeks. I mean, I just felt on top of the world. Honestly, let me tell you, I felt like a million bucks, okay? And I'm just like, where do I deposit this? I'm like a superwoman. Look what I just did, you know. I just felt awesome, you know. So, I had to keep doing it. I have to keep running. And... Um, I did it consistently for about a week, um, for about a week, right? And then I got an Achilles heel because I did not have the right running shoes and I also did not know how to run. Yes, darling, when we're little, when we're kids, we do this perfectly because our bodies are meant to run actually we do this perfectly and later on i read books and geeked out and i observed my kids how they run they don't need to think about how to incline the body they don't need to think about that it's like it comes naturally but as adults we think too much so basically i was like running like (laughs) Uh, anyways i was having totally awful posture and i end up hurting my achilles my Achilles heel. So I had to stop for a couple of weeks. And then I got back into running as soon as I could. And a few months into it, knowing my lack of commitment for exercising, I knew I had to do something to stick to running. Because at that point, running had turned into a personal journey. I felt that you know, that I was not being a good role model for my kids, for example, by staying at home instead of going to work. Okay. And I wanted to, to do something that they could feel proud of, you know? So I enrolled in the Munich half marathon of 2013, just to stay committed. Yeah. And I did I trained so hard that year, you know, I had no idea. And it was extra hard, because I didn't have a, I didn't have a coach, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have an activity tracker, I was running with my iPod, and I was using the Nike plus app. And the Nike plus app is actually, um, it's actually wrong on the iPod, because it doesn't have with the iPad, I had that time because the iPad doesn't have a GPS tracker. So I was often, later on, I realized that it was underestimated and other times overestimated. But, you know, it was the best thing I had at the time. And I was not going to invest in two gadgets because I thought that I was not going to stay committed to running. Okay, the only thing that I did commit to buying was a good pair of shoes. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> even though I spent that last year committed to running... And even though I ran a half marathon, I still did not call myself a runner. Yeah. Um, I remember training was actually very, very difficult for me, and the the one thing that kept me going to like kept me going at all was um, I used to break my runs like into trees, right? So I used to run to that tree. And see how I fell and run to the other tree and see how I fell. And then when it was really, really hard that I just, I fell. I remember my first 10K that I did for training. It was just like, it was so hard (laughs) for me to run that 10K. And the thing that kept me going was that I imagined myself crossing the finish line and seeing my kid's face being proud of me and handing over that medal you know? And even though I stay committed with that goal in mind, yeah, I, um, I still did not call myself a runner. Okay. And I remember cross making that, that goal. Like I remember crossing that finish line and I called, I called, um, I called daddy at the time and I was just like, can you tell my kids that I got them that medal? I mean, the first thing that was just like, I got the medal for them, you know, and um, it was just like a really proud moment for me. At that, you know, it's just just like it felt it felt really wonderful, but I didn't think I was going to keep on running after that day. You know, what happened next actually is a story for another day. Until then, my fabulous listeners, I thank you so much, really, from the bottom of my heart for your time, for sticking around, for listening to me. Your host, Gedelke Escobores, wishes you a schönen tag and hasta mañana. Ciao.